Hi, I'm James P. Friel. And I'm Dean Holland. It's time to fasten your seatbelts, boys and girls. That's right. If you're an entrepreneur who's wanting to take your business to the next level and have a bit of fun while getting cutting edge advice on your business, marketing, and sales, welcome to Just the Tips, arguably the best podcast in the entire world. I guess that's good, right? Yeah, that's good to me. All right. That was easy. That was the easiest thing we did all day. Yeah. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Just the Tips. This is your host, James P. Friel, and as usual, I am joined by none other than the lovely Dean Holland. (laughs) Hey, hey, how you doing? I'm I'm doing all right. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm going to question if you're doing all right, though. There was a a distinct lack of energy there, I feel. Well, you want to know. (laughs) I'm going to tell you why there's a lack of energy. There's actually a good reason. So I'm calling you out on it. All right, good. Fair enough. So so here in Boise, there's this pathway along the river. Um, There's this big river that runs all through Boise. And I should know the name of it, but I don't. In any case, there's this pathway that runs alongside, and it's called the Greenbelt. And it goes for miles and miles and miles and miles. And the weather here has just been so amazing that yesterday I had just back-to-back calls and I didn't need to be in front of my computer. I was like, you know what would be really cool? I'm just going to go walk on the green belt while I take all these calls. And so (laughs) I started walking at nine o'clock in the morning and I got home at just before seven o'clock at night. And I I wound up walking 22 miles and and I felt when I woke up this morning, I felt like a steamroller had rolled over me. Uh, It's like, oh my gosh, that was a little bit too ambitious. So so there you go. There's, that's why I hesitated. I was like, yeah, I'm all right. I'm, I'm managing. (laughs) (laughs) Just went for a brisk 22 mile walk yesterday. Yeah. I'll tell you what, it wasn't anything but brisk towards the end, uh, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh. And, and the funniest thing was I walked all the way downtown, which is about 11 miles. And um, when I started in the morning, I had uh, I'd been wearing a sweatshirt because it was a little bit chilly out. And the sun came up and it got warm and the whole thing. And, and I was like, oh man, I'm hot. So now I'm carrying this hoodie like for m- almost 10 miles all the way downtown. And then I got downtown and I stopped for lunch and I went to Whole Foods and then I had, you know, they put my lunch in this big paper bag with a handle and the whole thing. And I was wearing jeans and, you know, just a baseball cap. And I, (laughs) on the way back, I'm walking with this paper bag with my sweatshirt inside and (laughs) towards like the last hour or two, I'm like just shuffling along. Can't wait to make it all the way back. And I realized (laughs) that I probably look homeless. Um, (laughs) I'm just sitting there with this paper bag trudging along in the sun and I was like this is something else could have just stopped at the liquor store and bought a bottle of whiskey or something (laughs) that would have been a good idea so uh so anyway so if I uh if I feel or sound low on energy today that uh that would be why and okay well I don't think you should have any excuses because as good as it is hearing about your stories, we've got an awesome guest on, right? Well, we do. We do have an awesome guest, uh, Mr. Chris Daly, who is an expert on conversion rate optimization, 
Um, this guy has done over a thousand split tests and just his level of expertise is really going deep into the psychology of what makes conversions happen, what gets people to buy, what gets them to convert. And so we're super excited uh, to welcome you to the show yes. today, Chris. How's it going, man? It's going great. I appreciate you guys having me on the show, James and Dean. I'm excited. Absolutely. So yeah. I assume you did not take a 22-mile walk yesterday. <laughs> no, I don't think I've walked 22 miles in the last month. <laughs> Chris is like, that's not a test I'd like to run. Right. right. <laughs> yeah, A-B test. When you walk 22 miles, you wake up a lot more tired than when you don't. So that, that was a good one to figure out. In fact, I ran. I actually ran a 5K with uh, my five-year-old daughter a couple Saturdays ago, and she was pushing me. She kept saying, "Okay, it's time to run again, Dad." <laughs> wow. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So, Chris, I mean, you're, uh, you know, when when it comes to you know test split testing and conversion rate optimization and stuff like that, this is where you found your place in the world. What fascinates you with this, and why did you get into this in the first place? Yeah, so I got my start in my my career doing search engine optimization, which is all about getting traffic to come to your website. I mean, that's the typical thing that most entrepreneurs, when they start a new website or most businesses, once you have a decent website built, that's the first thing that you want to focus on. You want to get traffic there because you just assume, again, uh, if you get people to your site, they're going to do whatever it is you want them to do. They're going to fill out that lead form. They're going to purchase your product. Uh, and so I spent the first couple of years of my career focusing on getting traffic to websites, getting traffic to websites. So I was in-house for a company and we had tripled our organic traffic over a period of like six months, which is phenomenal. You know, it's everybody wants that to triple their traffic. But the problem was we had not tripled our conversions. In fact, conversions had been fairly stagnant. So we'd gotten all this traffic to our site. Nothing really happened. We're really frustrated and we're all scratching our heads going, what's, go what's happening? And no one could help me answer that question. No one knew why the traffic wasn't converting. You know, the design team thinks that the website looks great. The development team tells us that there's nothing broken. And so it, everyone just assumes, that, well, the traffic must just suck. And of course, I didn't, I refused to accept that as the answer. <laughs> Why, why did you refuse? Because I think a lot of people start blaming traffic. Like, what, why was your instinct to reject that assumption? Because Chris is like, because I was the one driving the traffic. Honestly, that was the, the majority of the reason. But the other part of the reason is I, I've always been of the, of the feeling that organic traffic is some of the best traffic that you should get to your site. I mean, and even now, you know, with all of the different types of companies that I've worked with, organic traffic is usually your best converting traffic source because people don't feel manipulated when they get to your site, right? They haven't clicked on your ad that's tried to position you as, uh, you know, put, or put you in a, in a buying mentality. It's like, I searched for this and I found it. And so typically, organic traffic is very high converting. And so when you get a bunch of organic traffic that doesn't convert, you're either showing up for some totally irrelevant search term, which I knew we weren't because I had specifically gotten uh, us ranked for some very relevant search terms, or there's a problem with the website. And so again, you know, the, the people that, uh, that were in the driver's seat of the website did not understand what converted people. They were just tasked with building a great website, you know, a website that looked good and, and never crashed. And that's what they did. Um, and so when I 
when I started investigating, I discovered this concept of split testing, of doing A-B testing on a site. Now, what the heck, let's try it. Uh, we ran a test on one of our uh, one of our conversion pages of the site that I designed, which I'm not a designer. Um, it looked terrible. In fact, our designer told me I shouldn't even run the test because even if it worked, he wasn't putting that on our website. <laughs> and I ran the test. It worked. It converted uh, much better than our existing page. And again, we're all left scratching our heads going, well, why? Why did this happen? The page didn't look better. And so that's really, honestly, that that question is what has fueled my fascination with A-B testing for the last six plus years is why? What is it that gets people to convert? What is it that grabs people's attention, that gives them the motivation to actually give you their information, to give you their their money? It's it's a it's a really interesting study into human psychology, and so um, that's when I made my shift was about six years ago, and I haven't looked back. So, is the reason that the designer didn't think he wanted to put that page up on the website? Did you have a picture of Dean on there? Is that was that his major contention? <laughs> that would, I, that it, would make the reason for the increase in conversion, of course. Well, it would. Your roguish <laughs> good looks, but he's just like, no, this is never going to work. I can't see it. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of it was, um, and this is something I find time and time again, and and I think this is not a surprise to people, what what looks best doesn't always convert best. And that makes sense to marketers, and it makes sense sometimes to entrepreneurs, um, but it doesn't make sense to designers. And, And a lot of times, it doesn't make sense to entrepreneurs either, because when we're starting a business and we're launching a website, we want it to look great. Right. This is like our online business card. Not only is it our online business card, but a lot of times it's also our entire business. If I'm selling a product on my website, this is my storefront. It is, you know, it's my customer service. It's everything. And so I want it to portray my business in the very best way. And so we often make a lot of assumptions when we are building websites. Um, and all of those assumptions are based on me wanting to look good in front of everybody else instead of going, I don't care what it looks like as long as it works. So, right. So where, um, so let's, let's dig into some of the meat and potatoes here. So where are some of the key differences on something between something that looks good and something that is just very practical? Like in your thousands of split tests and everything, what, what are some of the high level things that you've, you've discovered? Well, let me give you just, uh, I'll tell you a story as an example. So I had a client that came to me and they had spent about $350,000 on a new, on a website refresh, uh, which uh, most businesses do something like this every year or two. You know, it's like, oh, we need to refresh the design, get something a little bit more modern, follows best practices, yada, yada, yada. They'd spent all this money on the website redesign. They launched it and nothing happened. Meaning like conversion rates didn't go up. They didn't go down, which is a good thing. But after you spend all that money on a new site design, (laughs) you would expect that something would perform better and it didn't. (laughs) And so, (laughs) exactly. So again, this whole like head scratching moment where you're going, well, I, I don't know what happened with all of that money that we just spent. So we sat down, we said, okay, well, what, what did you do with this new site? It was an e-commerce company. They're selling a bunch of different products on their site. And so they said, oh, well, this new website design, we want it. We know that a lot of our traffic is mobile. So they're coming from places like Instagram and Facebook. And we know that people that are on Instagram, 
you know, they, they like a lot of options, but you know, people just sit there and scroll and scroll and scroll on their feed. So we designed our new homepage to be kind of like Instagram. You can just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And we've just got product after product after product. So, you know, it, it seems like a lot of logical assumptions they made there, right? It's like, okay, well, we know that we're getting a lot of traffic from Instagram. Right. Except that that's all the information that you actually have. You have information that they're coming from Instagram. We've started to inject our own opinions into, and because they're coming from Instagram, they like to scroll and scroll and scroll and see a lot of crap. And so that was one of the first things that we tested. Okay, you guys made this assumption that people want a lot of products. Let's see if that's the case. So we ran a very simple test. I call it an existence test. And an existence test is where you just remove stuff from your site. So you have your existing homepage that has, let's say, 50 products on it. And we create a version B, so a a duplicate of your homepage that has 30 products on it. And we create a version C that has 10 products on it. And then what we do is we split the traffic between these three different versions, you know, your existing site, Mm -hmm. your version with 30 products, your version with 10 products. And we measure all kinds of different things. You know, how many people went to product pages? How many people added something to their cart? How many people ultimately checked out? Um, We actually tested eight different versions of their homepage. So we removed different sections of products from their homepage. And out of those eight different versions, six of them increased revenue. And this, we ended up making about $25,000 extra for this client in one week just by removing stuff from their homepage. So um, going back to kind of your original question, what are some of the things that, that I see? And I see this on a regular basis is, number one, businesses a lot of times are making a lot of very dangerous assumptions. And sometimes there's, there's some data that's behind these assumptions we're making. But we are making a lot of assumptions about our audience that are not valid. Um, and, and number two is a lot of times businesses will just barf up a ton of stuff on people as soon as they come to your website, assuming, well, they might not want this product. So they might want this other product. So I need to make sure that I'm, I need to make sure I'm catering to everyone. And by doing that, you are distracting, massively distracting your users, which ultimately results in lower conversion rates, lower revenue. And so it's, like I said, this was a very, very simple test where we were just removing things from the site. And by doing that, we were able to identify stuff that was hurting conversion rates on the site. Well, you know, it's it's funny that you say that because this. Uh, so that earlier this year, Dean and I uh, were talking, and we we were just you know, okay, what, what's our goals for the year, and what are we going to focus on, and stuff like that. And one of the themes uh, that that Dean had picked for this year, and it's come up over and over and over again, is simplicity. And I think what you're talking about just reiterates the fact that we as business owners fall in love with a whole bunch of things about what we're doing. When at the end of the day, the the idea of getting somebody to take action is about simplicity. It's not about making it super complicated or adding a whole bunch of things that they don't need. It's like, how do you simplify the message and and everything? And, um, you know, I love that whole idea of an existence test, making everything justify its existence. It's very cool. Hmm. Well, and, and, and I love, you know, it's, the other thing that's very interesting to me is um, the idea of letting your audience dictate what should be on your website, right? Because, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about simplicity and and I agree in 90% of the cases, simplicity is best. But what does simplicity mean? 
You know, I have a I have a client that came to me and they said, "Oh, well, our whole website is is based on this concept of simplicity." So we only have one one call to action on every single page. There's only one thing that people can do. We ran a test to figure out number one. Should we only have one thing to do on each page or should we have more? And do you have the right call to action on the page? So, okay, there's only one thing to do on your home page. What's that one thing that you should ask them to do? Like, should you be asking them to buy your product now or should you be sending them to an information page to help them educate themselves? You know, and, uh, and what we actually found is people wanted more than one thing to do on each page. And not only that, the one thing that they had to do on each page was the wrong thing. <laughs> it was sending people down a path that they were not ready to go down yet. Um, and so, again, you know, you're right. Simplicity is beautiful if you understand what, what simplicity means for your users. What is the easiest path for them to take to convert? Not, not how can I, um, you know, give them the one thing I want them to do and hope that they do. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think that um, forcing people to do something that they want to, that they don't want to do, uh, no matter how simple it is, <laughs> will ever work. Yeah, right. Um, so, uh, so, so let's talk about some more of the psychology aspects of this, because I know that's one of the things that you geek out on and you, you like going, uh, you know, kind of exploring. What, what are some of the sort of uh, buyer psychology things that people should keep in mind when building a funnel or building a website or something that's designed to get people to take action and take them to the next step. Sure. So the first thing I'll throw out, I'll throw out a number. So Harvard uh, Business School did a study on purchase decisions. This is specifically related to e-commerce, but it I think it applies to every type of website. But they did they did a study on um, what goes into a buying decision. And they found that 90% of a purchase decision is subconscious, meaning 90% of the decisions we make to convert are not things that we are consciously aware of. Um, and so what, what does that mean? How does that apply? Well, first of all, what that means is if you ask people, so a lot of times I'll have people that say, oh, well, we did a, we did a survey or we did a, you know, we, we pulled in some of our, our customers and we did a, um, you, you know, a, an in-person, a, the name is escaping me right now, but we did, you know, like a live review and we asked people what they wanted from our website, all these different things. If you're asking people what they want, you're only going to get 10% of the answer because they don't even know. Um, you know, you think about when, when you go onto a website, um, are you thinking consciously like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, I, I don't, I don't necessarily like the the fact that the button is down farther on the page, and I don't like, um, you know, the colors in that picture. And I, I mean, you're not consciously thinking that stuff. The stuff that you might be consciously aware of is, oh, I looked at the price and I didn't like it. Except that price might have only been ten percent of your decision, and the other ninety percent might have been. Well, I would have bought the product at that price if I felt like it was a really good product. Like if I felt like it was a really high quality product, yeah, I'd pay more for it. But you're not you're not realizing that. It's just the one thing that you notice when you go to the site is it's a price that you're not comfortable with. Um, and so again, my my point in bringing this up is you can't ask people what they want to see on your website, and you can't even ask people. You can't even show people two different designs and say which one do you like better because I, I have done this um, 
time and time again at different conferences I've spoken at. I've showed two different designs, asked people which one they like best, and eight out of 10 people are wrong on which one converted better. Um, which means if you ask your clients or your customers, what, what do you like better? They're not going to be able to give you the right answer. So you have to run the test. So that's the first thing is running a test can help you dig out some of those subconscious things. And, and this is where I think testing becomes really fun is if every test that you run has something you're trying to learn about your audience, some kind of question you're trying to answer, you can start to uncover a lot of those subconscious decision-making factors. Um, for example, you might just ask, a, a question you might ask is, how many products should I have on my page? Right? Seems like a really uh, simple, basic question. Um, you could ask people, how many products do they want to see? And most people are just going to say, I don't know. Or they're going to say, well, just show me the one product that I want to see. Um, but again, the only way you can really uncover that is by testing it out. And then once you've run the test, you go, okay, well, we found that having eight products on our page is, is the ideal number. It, you know, And so uncovering some of those subconscious motives for purchasing is, is a big deal. And, and again, some of these are really counterintuitive. You know, um, we all think that like having reviews, for example, is going to instill confidence in our audience, right? That's like a, that's like a subconscious thing that we just assume. Okay. Amazon puts a lot of weight on reviews. I know when I buy from Amazon, I'm really interested in reading the reviews. So I've got to have reviews on my website. The problem with that is again, when people come to your website, they are not in the same mindset that they are when they go to Amazon's website. So this is a psychology principle called priming. When people go to web, go to Amazon, they are primed, they are psychologically primed for Amazon's model. And Amazon's model is great prices and lots of reviews and it's you know it's really easy to find a good quality product on there and you know free shipping. Like there's just certain things that people are expecting when they go there. When people come to your website, they're either not primed for anything, which means you kind of have a clean slate, or they might actually be expecting um, they, they might be expecting something totally different than what you're giving them. And so they've, there's a lot of consumer psychology studies that have been done about how much attention people give to a new website. Like how long is somebody willing to spend on a website they're not, uh, they're not enjoying? And it's, it's three seconds or less. So you've got three seconds when somebody comes to your website, they're not yet primed for your website, for your product, for your messaging, for your design. And so in those first three seconds, it's critical that you win those people over and convince them to stay on your site longer. So that brings up a good question of, of how do you do that? And we could talk about that more, but th those are just a couple of, uh, those, those are a couple of, you know, basic psychological concepts that, I find are really helpful when you're thinking about your website. Yeah, very cool. In fact, you just um, when you when you said something a bit ago, you said you showed two designs to an audience and eight out of ten got it wrong. I think that's generally how I approach um, split testing. Now, I decide which one I think would work, and then know that it's going to be the other one. <laughs> I get it wrong a hundred percent of the time. <laughs> There you go. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really a coin toss in a lot of cases. And even, you know, like I said, I I've run at this point over a thousand AB tests in my career 
And I, when I try to predict test outcomes, I'm still only right probably half the time. I mean, it's literally a coin toss. And so there are no shortcuts. There are no like, oh, I work with this UX guy and he understands user experience better than anybody. And so he, he told me that I should have this stuff on my site. It's all BS. Like no one can tell you what the best practices that you should be following. You have to test it because for every best practice out there, I have found 10 exceptions to that rule. Um, for every industry best practice, I have found someone in the same industry with the same audience that does not follow the best practice. Um, I am constantly surprised every day by our test results that I see, which again makes my job so much fun um, because there's uh, there's there's just so much to learn about our audiences. Why do you yeah. think everybody's biases are so uh, so off? Like, why is that? I, I think part of it is, I mean, this this goes back to um, psychology, but our brains are are trained to make decision making as easy as possible, right? And so our, our brains want to figure out the right way to do something and then just stick with it, so that we don't have to keep making really intensive decisions all the time. Um, and so, I mean, that's where biases come from in the first place. It's like, well, I've seen this work once, and so. I'm just going to create this rule in my brain that this always works. Um, And so I I find that a lot of times our biases are off because um, we are unwilling to approach something with an open mind or we're unwilling to approach something with a testing perspective, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, instead of me saying, okay, well, um, I want to, I want to get someone to download my ebook and I know that bullet points work the best. So let's just, let's put four bullet points on the page. Here's what the four bullet points should be. Um, I, I know that, I know that bullet point formatting works great because it's easy to scan. And, you know, again, I just, I create all these rules in my head um, because it makes it a lot easier. Like it's just <laughs> a lot of business owners, a lot of designers, a lot of marketers don't want to go through this process of testing because we just want to get something up as quick as possible. Mm. Um and so I, th- I think that's, that's part of the issue is people wanting to move as quickly as possible. Um, and, and I get it. You know, I, I started my own business four years ago. And, you know, when you're running a business or when you are running a website, um, you need to be able to make decisions quickly sometimes. And you need to be able to just, okay, well, yeah, we, I, I know that we want to test the page, but we just need to get something up for now and then we'll test it later. Um, but that later never comes <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, in my experience, most people know they should split test and test things, but they absolutely don't. <laughs> yep, exactly. So, yeah, and there's, and it's because it's one of those things. Like I said, I get it because I was in, you know, I, I was in the the traffic acquisition game for several years. Um, you know, you've got a website that is built. And you need traffic to the website. So you start focusing on traffic. As soon as you start turning your attention to traffic, the idea of optimizing your website goes out the door. Um, And it's all about getting better quality traffic, getting more quality traffic, getting cheaper traffic. You know, you can you can get lost in the traffic optimization game. um, And most companies do. Yeah. Uh, So tell me this quick question just to jump in. Do you think um, 
Do you think website owners, say if they haven't yet got traffic, they're a new business, they're about to launch the website, do you think they should have tests ready before they get any traffic? Or would you say get traffic first and then start running tests? You should absolutely. I, I always suggest that businesses approach a website design as a test. So we've done this for quite a few clients that are just starting a business and they don't have a website yet. And so instead of just building a single website, we'll build two versions of the site initially. You know, maybe two different homepage designs to start with or, uh, you know, whatever the, the critical page on the site is, we'll create two radically different designs for it. Um, and then, yeah, you don't have any traffic yet, but what you, uh, I mean, I always suggest that you're always running a test on your website mm. because that way, I mean, anytime you get someone to your website, that's an opportunity for you to learn something from them. And so if you build a website and then you say, well, then we'll get traffic and then we'll test down the road again, most of the time it doesn't happen, but right. also all of that traffic that you're getting over the first few months of having your web set up, you could be learning stuff from them. Right. And you might find, as I find very often, you might find that the website that you were just going to push anyways was the wrong design. And you don't want to spend a ton of time spinning your wheels, sending traffic to that design that wasn't actually working. Like you want to yeah. be able to identify that quickly and pivot so that you're not, again, that you're not trying to like drive tons of traffic and we're not converting. So we need better quality traffic. It's like, oh, it's actually a problem with the website. Yeah. You can identify that early on and, and make changes. For sure. And what would you say, uh, just as a ballpark, because I know this is probably a question that some people want to know, how many visitors would you say is enough data to make a, uh, a, a good decision on a split test winner? Do we want a hundred visitors to each test, a thousand more? What would you say? Yeah. So there's no hard, fast rule on that. Uh, unfortunately, it's more about conversions. So I will typically look at how many conversions do we want on on each of our variations. Um, and I typically recommend about a hundred. You want at least a hundred conversions on each variation. Now that that could be that could take forever, right? For some sites that have very low conversion rates. Right. And so the other thing that you want to look at is you want to look at how big is the difference between our two variations? Like if I, if I launch a homepage and I'm tracking how many clicks do I get on my banner and I have 10 clicks on my existing site and I have 50 clicks on my other version, you've got a lot of, you've got a huge disparity between the two. And so you can draw conclusions from that fairly quickly. Right. Um, but if I have 30 conversions on one and 40 conversions on the other, you need a lot more data because it could just be a fluke, right? right? I mean, it could just be um, random chance that you got some more visitor, you know? So that that's typically what I look at. There's a lot of tools online that will help you estimate how much traffic you need um, based on your conversion rates on your website. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it it's really about getting enough conversion events to have statistically significant data. Can you, uh, can you throw out one or two tools for everybody who, who are interested in using something like that? Yeah, so Optimizely um, actually has a, a a traffic estimator, and so if you just Google like uh, Optimizely A/B test traffic estimator or something like that, they'll they'll give you they'll have you just plug in some numbers and say what's the conversion rate on your site. If if you're building a new website, you might not know that yet, right? And so you might just plug in some arbitrary number and see how many how many visitors they suggest you get. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean they'll they'll ask you 
how statistically significant you want your result as well. Because that's the, the other thing you have to take into consideration is when you're starting a business uh, and you want to make agile, you know, quick decisions, you may not care about having a 100% statistically significant result. You might say, look, I will settle for a 70% statistical significance. Like if, if I'm fairly certain I have a good result, like I'll, I'll go with it and let's just let's move quickly. And I understand that I might have called the wrong winner. If you're okay with that, then that's great. And some businesses are. Um, but you just need to understand what you're getting yourself into. Mm. Um, and you need to understand that that trade-off, right? Like it might take me longer to get this test result and get good data. And as long as I'm okay with that, then I'll do that. Awesome. So I think one of the things I'm taking away from this is that, you know, there's a there's a whole host of uh, things that can be can be tested. Um, different guidelines and things like that. And I know um, you mentioned uh, before we got on the show here today that you have like a worksheet or something to sort of help people figure out their game plan. Are you uh, are you cool sharing that with everybody? Yeah, you bet. So yeah, we this was actually put together um, kind of as a as a starter, like a training guide for our, our new employees that wanted to um, start learning about website testing and conversion rate optimization. Um, and then we eventually just put it into a, like a starter guide that we can, you know, give to, to people for free. So it's, yeah, it's an AB testing starter guide. We've got, um, a, a lot of good things in there, like what tools to look at. You know, we talked about optimizely on here, but we've got a lot of other tools. You know, if you want to get heat mapping on your website to see where people are clicking and, you know, gather other data, um, you know, we've got lots of good tools on there that you can use. And then we also have a lot of test recommendations, like what are the first few tests that you should think about? Um, you know, what are, what are some ways that you can run those tests? Uh, and so, yeah, people can check out that guide for free at disruptiveadvertising.com slash guide. Um, and it's a free download. There is a box on there that you can check if you're interested in talking with us at Disruptive. You know, we'd love to take a look at your website and give you a, a free audit. But if you're not interested in talking to us, you just want the guide. You just don't click the box and we won't harass you. <laughs> and if we do click the box, you, how, how often do we get harassed? Are there flying dragons that come over our houses or like what happens? <laughs> I think you'll get one call from our sales team and they'll they'll see how interested you are and then they'll quit bugging you. All right. Well, that's not bad. I get harassed every time we do a show here with Dean. So uh, <laughs> it's, uh, I'm, I've got thick skin as a result of that. Um, so, okay, well, that's awesome, Chris. So, uh, so I appreciate uh, having you on the show here today, man. Um, and then for you guys who want to get that guide, uh, which sounds like could be really useful in helping you optimize uh, for better conversions and um, you know improve sales and all that good stuff, go to disruptiveadvertising.com forward slash guide. Um, Dean Holland, any parting words before we leave? No, just it's been awesome hearing all of your wisdom, Chris. I know this is probably a topic that you could uh, spend the next couple of years sharing more and more about, but uh, I think it's been awesome in the time that we've had. I think uh, I think today should be a huge nudge and reminder for all listeners because I, I having having seen a lot of people over the years myself, I know this is an area that everyone needs and it's essential to improving results, but it's a big area that a lot of people ignore. It's kind of like um, it's kind of like mindset training for for startup entrepreneurs. Most people need it, but nobody wants to be told they need it, and they try and ignore it. Um, exactly. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think this is awesome. So, thanks for your time, Chris. Appreciate you sharing. 
Yeah. You bet. Thanks for having me on the show, guys. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a good point, Dean. Like, this is a good reminder that, you know, you should always be running that split test. Um, you know, you're, you're driving traffic. There's always ways to optimize. And so, yeah, yeah I think, uh, I think even, even just in, in final tip for everyone listening, like take some of what you've heard today and just decide each week, what thing will we test this week? Like commit to testing one thing. And I think that'll at least be a good step in the right direction. Love it. Outstanding. Awesome. Well, uh, well, yeah, head over, uh, head over to Chris's site, uh, disruptiveadvertising.com forward slash guide and download that guide and do or do not check the checkbox depending on your level of desire to be harassed. And uh, I think that'll, uh, I think that'll do it for us today. You guys, Chris, thanks again for being on the show. Dean, thank you for being here. Uh, it's a pleasure yeah, I carried you through this one, didn't I? You really the lack did. Of energy yeah. to the show. I, I, we should have apologized to Chris, not thanked him. <laughs> yeah, that, apologies, Chris. I, uh, I should not have walked as far as I did yesterday. So, um, <laughs> no, in any case, thank you guys for listening. Um, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Later. Thanks for tuning in to Just the Tips, where we believe business should be profitable and fun. For show notes, links, and other information on our guests, visit justthetipshow.com. For more information on how to connect with Dean Holland, visit deanholland.com. And if you'd like to get free from the day-to-day operations of your business while making more money, visit me at jamespfreel.com forward slash autopilot. Our theme music is Happy Happy Game Show by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 License.